welcome to the We Are Peru podcast, a podcast highlighting topics related to the Peru Central School District and greater Peru community. Welcome to the We Are Peru podcast, December 2021. My name is John Mitchell, and I'm joined today by my wonderful co-host, Mr. Nick Damiani. How are you doing today, Nick? Doing well, John. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Getting all set for the holidays or trying to. How about yourself? Yeah, it's definitely busy season from holiday prep. Uh, we wrapped up the what, first quarter of the school year. We started the second quarter. Uh, I'm in the middle of fantasy football playoffs. You know, So all the big stuff's happening right now, uh, and definitely a little bit crazy. Yeah, I, I try to get involved with fantasy football, but I'm not very good at it, so I, I pretend that I participate more than uh, anything, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm just not very good at it, so I uh, fully understand. <laughs> uh, but it is great to get back together and uh, kind of revamp and update how we present this We Are Peru podcast. Yeah. Uh, we are, uh, we've set some new goals. We're looking at producing a monthly edition. Uh, we've gone through and sequenced different segments that will be kind of consistent and repetitive uh, for each episode, uh, which I think is great. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll give our listeners, you know, uh, something to look forward to and also a good idea to know what the framework and stuff is going to be. Yeah, so I think, you know, we're going to begin each show with a, just really uh, some good conversation with John and I, uh, just talking about some different things that we've noticed across campus. Uh, and then we're going to go through, uh, have a Board of Education update uh, that will be provided by uh, School Board President Bonnie Berry. We'll have a segment dedicated to uh, Superintendent Spotlight, which will uh, be information that will be provided by our interim superintendent, Scott Storms. We'll have an athletic report uh, by our fairly new athletic coordinator, uh, Diana Bartholomew, followed by uh, big items kind of around each building across campus where we'll bring in either a building principal, teacher, students, uh, just to share some you know, just important things and to highlight some things that are going on. Uh, within each building on campus. And the last thing that we'll have uh, when applicable is some um, upcoming events. We'll throw those in there as well. Yeah, really, really designed to be informational, right? Like we want to put out some good information uh, and uh, just really share with the community the great things that are happening mm-hmm. uh, as we as we move forward. And one of the things we're going to add as well is whenever we put the podcast out um, in the show notes on the podcast page, we're going to put the time markers for each segment so you'll know if you wanted to. Um, you didn't feel like uh, indulging Nick and I and listening to our intro. You could, <laughs> you know, jump right ahead and get right to the board update or the superintendent spotlight or, or whatnot there. Yeah, and we're going to target a show length uh, right around 30 minutes is what we want to be able to uh, to get our, our overall show uh, to kind of come to a close. That's our time frame, uh, about five to six minutes per segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... You know, right now we're trying to play a little bit of catch-up. Uh, we have not produced a We Are Peru podcast yet this year, and uh, we've got a few months' worth of conversation. I know and we're, we're definitely talking about the board update and the athletic report. Like, yeah, we we are behind the game a little bit. So uh, this show is going to be longer than most, uh, so you will be able to kind of pick and choose what you would like to kind of hone in on. Um, if you don't want to listen to it from start to finish and you want to break it up into segments, you'll have that option. Um, but going forward, yeah, we're definitely going to look to try to condense the information into a nice, easy kind of drive time listen uh, in that 25 to 30 minute range. Definitely. So any kind of neat stuff going around that you want to share in it? 
Uh, yeah, so uh, we are in the middle of revamping our district website. So we are working with uh, CVES on just updating the interface and the experience for those that go to our website. Uh, so we're in the process of that. So you're probably going to see some changes going on uh, really over the next two to three weeks. We're hoping that the website project will be wrapped up and complete uh, by that first week of January. So that's our target frame. So you're just going to know some differences over the holiday break and that first week of January. One of the nice additions to the website is the uh, Let's Talk feature that um, we've built in on the side, uh, right-hand side. So there's going to be a button there. It's going to have uh, Let's Talk. It's a blue tab. It's going to have the school logo there uh, with the Nighthawk. And what that's designed to do is that's uh, really designed to provide community students and staff an opportunity to present any type of anonymous, anonymous feedback to the district. If they want to report a bullying incident or something that did happen across campus, they have the option to do that as well. Um, but it is one step in the right direction uh, for us trying to enhance how we can communicate with the public. Uh, and all the data that comes in through that uh, Let's Talk feature is stored and housed, and it can be part of you know yearly reports that we put out to the community. What are people reporting on? What is the feedback we're receiving? And what are we doing with that feedback? Uh, just to show the, the value that it really provides the district when it comes to decision-making. Uh, the nice addition uh, to this uh, feature, as opposed to the feature we've had in the past with Anonymous Alert, is the ability to request two-way communication. So if somebody does report an incident and they want to be contacted by the district, they can provide the necessary contact information to kind of further the conversation along. Uh, which I think is a great feature when we're looking at really trying to assist and help uh, folks through situations. Excellent. That sounds like a, a very useful and exciting new feature. Yeah. So, John, what have you noticed across campus? Uh, anything that you'd like to highlight that you've noticed within the elementary building? Yeah, we've had a couple of neat things that I've kind of observed uh, recently. Obviously, right now, everybody's in the full swing of, of holiday activities. Um, one thing that we just did recently is we have a um, a wonderful gentleman, Mr. Roy Perry, who's volunteered uh, reading um, in our building for the, like the last eight years. Uh, Mr. Perry, the hero that he is, he recently turned 89, and unfortunately due to COVID, he hasn't been able to come in and, and read to our students as regularly as, as, as he could in the past. Uh, so what we did is um, we actually had him come in recently to our studio and read uh, The Night Before Christmas. And uh, the author of the book, the, the illustrator, actually gave us uh, permission to uh, to use her illustrations uh, with his reading. So I uh, want to thank him for that, and we'll be sharing that out shortly. Um, a couple other neat things is uh, uh, Mrs. Berry actually has uh, a couple of neat projects that we've had going on in her room. Um, w one of the things over the years that e every year we walk down the hallway and we sell these wonderful longhouses that the fourth grade classes put out and display in our intermediate lobby. Uh, so we wanted to do something kind of different to try to highlight what those are. So what we actually did is we photographed all the longhouses in front of a green screen. We're bringing students in to give a report on their longhouses with actual longhouses serving as a backdrop. And we're in the midst of that now, and that's been a, a, a real fun project to work on with the students. And that same class also recently did a nice reenactment of the Boston Tea Party. And just this morning, um, I was up in... Um, Mrs. Webb and Mrs. Lawton classroom, and they shared a, a fantastic uh, activity that they did with students 
uh, to make them appear as if the students were trapped in a snow globe and, and trying to get out. Um, what I really liked about that is this is something that they thought of on their own. A lot of times they come to me with, you know, creative stuff like that, you know, but uh, they, they sought out a way on their own to actually use the technology to, with, you know, extract the backgrounds from the video and stuff, and I just want to commend them on their creativity with that. Yeah, and when I, when I hear about those, you know, those projects and the different ways that the technology pieces have been able to enhance or extend some of the learning that's taken place, uh, that's where I think it becomes really impactful, mm -hmm. right? And I, I think when we're, we're making decisions on, you know, kind of what tools we want to have access to, what we want students to be able to focus on, what skills we want them to develop. Absolutely. Uh, anything that can really enhance and extend the learning that's already taken place in the classroom is really mm -hmm. where the technology piece fills in. Uh, and, For sure, 100%. And it's, it's great to see it push the boundaries a little bit and, and the students' willingness and the teacher's willingness to try to think outside of the box, try to do something new, mm -hmm. and just not, not look to always do things the way they've done them in the past. Uh, and I think that's just that's a rewarding to, to kind of hear. Definitely. One other thing um, is um, uh, Mrs. Petro and I, our technology teacher over here, um, we recently had a, um, a whole building-wide, or I should say at least intermediate-wide right now, uh, Minecraft holiday project we're working on. And she's actually going to join us later in the show to actually discuss that as well. Excellent. At this point in time, we are going to transition to our Board of Education update provided by Board President Bonnie Berry. All right, so we would like to welcome uh, Miss Bonnie Berry to uh, the We Are Peru podcast. She is our school board president and looking to kind of just provide a community update uh, from the board perspective. Welcome. Right. Thank you. Thank you, John and uh, Nick pleased to do that. Excellent. Uh, so why don't you just go ahead and kind of, uh, you know, give us a little background on, on kind of what's going on within the school board and the district at this time. Okay. I wanted to um, inform the public, too, that the board does a self-evaluation using a, a software program, and we've been do using the software program now for two years. It really keys in, um, every board member gives input, and then it really keys in uh, some goals that we need to work on as, as a board. This year, uh, one of the ones, we had like five uh, goals to work on, or objectives, I should say, because we always have goals uh, to work with the superintendent with. One was the um, developing the goal-setting process, the um, making sure that our, our district has uh, goals and shares those with the public. Our stra strategic plan really um, prioritizes those things, and we're working on updating that. Mr. Storms and the leadership team are meeting with meeting to update all the priorities and put them into district goals, and they'll be out shortly. As I said, we do a self-evaluation. That's one of the goals is every year to do a self-evaluation. And the software program is excellent because it, it summarizes everything for us and gives us an idea of some objectives that we have to uh, work on. Um, <clears throat> we also want to create a, a handbook for new uh, board members coming on. Um, we, I think we have maybe one open seat this year. Let's check that with Ms. Provost, but I think there'll be one open seat this year. And when you come in, New York State School Boards Association uh, requires a training 
But we also thought that we needed to do a handbook that was really particular to Peru. The other piece would be making sure that we advocate uh, for state policies and practices that support our students, teachers, and leaders. So particularly around budget time, we'll probably get something out to everyone to say, you know, um, contact your legislators to make sure that we have uh, money to uh, run schools because that's always an issue with us. Um, schools get often slighted as far as the money coming down from the state. Uh, the one big piece, though, was we wanted to make sure that we opened up and, and become more um, engaged with the community and telling them, informing them of uh, what's going on in the district. And the, the strategic plan, it does uh, have a um, communication goal also, a priority. So the board will be working with the communication uh, committee. We have two or three board members that will be members of that communication committee. Um, you never have four board members doing anything on a committee or anything because then it becomes a quorum and we don't want that. We want the input from the public when the board members just become members of, of any committee such as uh, yesterday we had a technology committee and two board members were there. So we never ever have four board members serving on anything because then it would become a quorum and then it becomes a board meeting and we would like to avoid that. So I wanted to tell the public a little bit about that self-evaluation and one of our big goals is to try to communicate with you. So we talked to Nick and John about using the podcast to do that and I think that would work. We'll give updates and, and try to move on with that um, to make sure the public is informed about everything. We do have at our board meetings we have the opportunity for people to uh, email us from Friday noon before the board meeting until that Tuesday noon um, of the day of the board meeting in through comments. Those comments have to do with the agenda or there might be another topic. Those comments will be read by me uh, at the board meeting uh, prior to beginning the board meeting. So we've done that. Oh, I think we did that starting when we had to do all of our meetings virtually. But we wanted to continue that because we know sometimes people can't get out and it's not convenient or they've got other commitments. So we're continuing that to open up that through comments from Friday noon prior to the board meeting. And our board meetings are normally the second Tuesday of the month. Sometimes we have to move them to another Tuesday, but they're the second Tuesday of the month unless there's a special board meeting. The board meetings on the second Tuesday of the month, the regular board meetings will be um, videoed and they will be available on the website um, just as soon as they can get working with Mr. Urban to get those up. Then we also have um, the opportunity for people to address uh, agenda items at the board meeting. So as they come in, they can sign up um, to address the board. If it's anything with, to do with the, anything that's on the agenda, we will um, have them speak prior to beginning the meeting or beginning the, the uh, public part of the meeting, the, uh, uh, the, the, all the reports and then the consent agenda. If it doesn't have anything to do with the agenda item, then we allow time at the end of the board meeting for people to address the board. So it could be something that came up as in discussion during the board meeting or something um, that had gone on in the past or um, something that they would like to have the board be aware of. 
so those are two pieces that I thought was really important for the public to know. Now, the board does do a self-evaluation, and we don't operate in a, a vacuum. We, we listen to the public. And how to comment to the board, be it on agenda items or on um, an issue that they have a concern with. Uh, emails work. Peru comments works. We do often get emails in between uh, board meeting times, and if it's something we can answer, we we try to answer, but we like to go through the chain of command so that people have addressed this either with the administrator, um, with their concern, or the superintendent, so that we do follow that. The board's responsibility really is policies, um, budget, and hiring the superintendent. So that comes to our next little piece. Was there any questions or anything that John or Nick, you felt from what I just said about the, the plan, the podcast, and so on? No, I don't have any questions, but I, I want to thank you for actually explaining um, the whole process as far as only having a few board members, you know, involved in a committee so that it doesn't become a quorum. And it's funny because right. I'm on, a, I'm on a, a board for another organization, <clears throat> and I, I didn't realize that. So I'm glad you brought that up. So that's good, helpful information I could take back to the board that I'm on. <laughs> and I, it may not pertain uh, to, uh, who knows, it might pertain to the board you're on. Right. Um, but that is one of the things. You always have to be cautious that there's not a, a quorum. Um, you know, ours is a seven-member seven, uh, board, so a quorum of four would be a decision-making body. Oh, that's, that's very useful information. Thank you so much. Good, good. So our big piece right now is that we are um, starting a superintendent search. Uh, and thank you uh, to Nick. Um, he worked with a group to get our survey up. And the survey is anonymous, but I was able to see numbers that are coming in on the survey. And it, wow, we only opened it on Tuesday at noontime. And we've got hundreds of people responding to the survey. So that's good. Uh, we want the input. So that survey is, will be out until um, December 31st. And the purpose really is to give us information from the community and stakeholders on their opinions regarding the traits, experiences, and background that our next superintendent should possess. Um, we have it on our website, on the Facebook page, and we have it at the town hall, the library, and um, the community church. The office of St. Augustine's was closed, so uh, Mrs. Provost made sure it went to the town hall uh, so that people were able to pick up the paper one. You can drop the paper uh, one off uh, at any of the offices, just say it's a survey, it needs to go to Mrs. Provost in a, in a blank sealed envelope. Um, as I said, people can put their name on the bottom of the survey if they'd like to, and anybody who would like to be on one of the interview committees, it's an opportunity to call Mrs. Provost and say, I'd like to be on the community parent um, interview committee. So it's totally anonymous as, as uh, Nick arranged with that group. It really looks good. It was looked like it was easy to go into and get responses. And I was overwhelmed this morning, Nick, when you gave me the numbers, but that's, I yeah. think that's very favorable. Yeah, I think it's at any time you get you know, increased numbers on the participation, it gives you a broader picture of, of what the concerns are, what people are, what the expectations are. Uh, and the use of Parent Square, uh, Facebook, the district website, 
uh, has allowed us to kind of reach out and and kind of communicate with a larger population of, of parents and people within the community at a much faster rate than we've done in the past. Uh, so we've we've seen that as we've completed some of these surveys recently. I, I, as I said, I was surprised. We've only been up uh, what forty eight hours, and yeah, we've got close close to two hundred, maybe more now. I don't know. It's <laughs> great, great feedback. Yeah, yep. excellent. And that's what we want. We want the community to tell us things. And if you have an opinion, I've already gotten a couple of opinions. Uh, thank you very much. One of the big pieces this morning, before I go on and talk more about the superintendent search, one of the big pieces this morning was um, just a thank you to from many uh, staff and parents for Mr. Storms and the administration and law enforcement for working through what could have been a, a very precarious situation uh, with that threat that came across and thanking Mr. Storms for actually going to all the buildings and meeting with the staff and, and uh, making assure them that we've, we've done everything safety-wise um, to ensure the safety of the students and staff and our school and our community. So that was a little aside, but I think it was really uh, needed to be mentioned. And I know that Mr. Storm said Mr. Berry did a, uh, a newscast this morning and gave, um, you know, confidence to the students that, we, uh, the, the law enforcement had worked through all of this and it was not a threat. It was something from um, actually a minor <clears throat> from another district, not even in our area, I think, from what I understand. So this is good. That was good communication. Law enforcement was quick about doing things and really made a presence for us too this today. So we thank them. Um, I don't know from your perspective if there's anything that you or John saw. Oh, it was just nice to see the presence in the hallways uh, this morning when Good. I stepped out of my office. I was able to have a small conversation, and it just—I don't—I think it just kind of put everybody at ease. Um, just let Good. them know that you know we're we can get back to the education side of things, and uh, right. you know it definitely helped. Good. Excellent. So anyway, superintendent search first piece was is this a couple of weeks survey so that we can get input from the community and stakeholders and um, get take that input and actually add it to a brochure at, regarding the candidates profile that we're looking for as a community and guide the board and committees in the selection process. So once we get that information, we'll add it to a brochure. We've got a two page brochure that's ready except for our community input that will go out mid-January and um, our partner CVS is working on uh, a video with um, interviews from students and staff um, that will also tell a candidate a little bit about Peru. So the ads will begin in January, mid-January with a deadline of February 18th. Um, we welcome community members and parents to volunteer for one of the committees. We are going to have um, four committees our district superintendent, um, Dr. Mark Davey, and his staff will be assisting us with the search. And as I said, the brochure and the video will be available mid-January for those interested candidates. Um, we, we definitely want some volunteers uh, for committees. We're hoping that there'll be at least uh, 12 people on the different uh, uh, committees, and they'll be compiling questions in February. 
um, we'll make sure that we review all the qualified applicants uh, in March. And Dr. Davey will uh, review them to make sure they are qualified to send on to the board. There are going to be, as I said, four committees. So there'll be one, uh, in addition to the board, one committee will be the administration, district level supervisors and district office personnel. Another uh, committee will be the parents in the community. Another committee will be uh, students. And another committee will be our two uh, unions, the CSEA and, and uh, Peru Association of Teachers. So we'll have representatives from each of those units um, being able to give input to the board. So the board will review those candidates, uh, all the applications in March, go through a first round of, of interviews, and be able to hopefully bring three final candidates to the other committees to be interviewed by each group. Uh, th that should happen the week of March 22nd. The, also, that candidate that week, uh, those three candidates will interview with all the different committees, um, give a presentation, a community presentation, um, and it'll be a time for committee or community members to be able to ask uh, questions of the candidate in an open forum. And then the board will review the input from the four committees and also continue to interview the last three candidates. So it's a busy day that day or a couple of days uh, with everyone. And then um, if we find a successor candidate, we will appoint the successor superintendent at the April 12th regular meeting to begin on July 1. Um, so it's quite a few meetings. It's quite a few uh, really uh, going through. And thank goodness we have our uh, partners with both these and the district superintendent going through and doing things because they, they get out the ads for us. Uh, they come and help our committees with um, formulating questions um, Dr. Davey is able to go down through all the applicants and make sure that they do have the qualifications as far as like certification um, and have had, you know, years in service and so on are, are certified in New York State. So it is a process and it does take um, almost, you know, six months, four months. Um, but we, we uh, hope to involve all stakeholders in this and be able to move on so that we have a candidate in July 1. Yeah, when you look at the amount of time that goes in uh, to trying to pick the right person to move us forward, um, it makes sense, right? Uh, we're, we're trying to fill uh, the most important position within our district, uh, that, that kind of top leadership position uh, as we move forward uh, during what is a very tricky uh, uh, kind of education time period. Uh, so picking the right person is going to be key, uh, and it, des it definitely takes a lot of input from, you know, all the different stakeholder groups, and you move through a very specific process as you narrow it down. And thank you for the the breakdown of that process. I'm sure the community will, you know, be thankful to hear everything that goes into that. And they can, you know, they can call uh, Mrs. Provost at 518-643-6002 and say, I'd like to be on the committee. If we had Oh, this would be wonderful. If we had 30 people wanting to be on a committee that's not a workable committee, we'd have to probably do, um, you know, a, a picking them out of the hat or something like that. Uh, you know, oh, wouldn't that be wonderful to be able to have that part of it? That would be great. Um, but normally, uh, you know, our internal um, organizations will come up with 
you know, at least a dozen people um, on each interview piece, but we're hoping the community really comes in and, and uh, wants to be part of the whole process uh, rather than just the seven member board because the seven member board only looks through the first ones and kind of sort things out. And then it it's up to those other committees to give the input to the boards, um, you know, and they might prioritize the candidates. We like this one because of this. We like this one because of this, uh, just to give us input so that we can move on. And it, it's, we all know it's been a very difficult um, year and a half. It uh, doesn't look like things are stopping soon in our whole community. I just watched the news and Clinton County had another 69 cases today. Um, it's one of those things. I know we don't like masks. I know we don't like vaccines. I know we don't like all those different things. But sometimes for the safety of all, we just have to, uh, you know, kind of bucket up and wear the mask and those people who desire to do the vaccine get the vaccine if they they work in the school if they're not vaccinated there is a weekly test and that seems to be going well um you know we and we know there's breakthroughs it's not a total safeguard thing but we're moving on as a community in our school we still you know look at our numbers and the numbers are very low in the in the school community and we've been able to have our younger students vaccinated if their parents so choose, and uh, which has helped the situation. Um, so we're moving on. I say, you know, that was that first March 2020 was to June 2020 was like a lost thing for the kids. And thank goodness our technology was there. Uh, thank you to the technology group for doing that. The technology was there, and that was very helpful. But why everybody had to turn around and say, okay, what do I do? You know, with with teaching the kids like that. And um, then the next year having to go hybrid because we had to stay so far apart. Uh, I know I was the um, teacher for four grandchildren. So <laughs> I understand what people, what yeah. people were going through for those three days. I mean, I'm an educator, so it was a little easier for me, but uh, it's, it, it, we're moving on. We were back in school. The kids, kids don't have a problem wearing the mask most of the time. Um, outside is great. They could be outside without them, and and many many of the classes were outside and doing things outside, which is great. We were able to have um, a little drama club presentation. We've had some music events. Um, so I think this is recovery. Recovery may take. I was hoping it would be one year, but I think recovery is going to take year one and year two in a gradual change for our community, but. We're moving on, and people are positive. And as I said, our, our technology is there. So thank you, Nick and John and the group. Our technology is there. We talked yesterday. With, you know, thank goodness we had that, and thank goodness there was a foresight to order some um, computers and uh, prior to all of this happening and having them available So, and having some staff development. We have to continue with the staff development and move on. Um, the staff, that was a whole brand new piece for staff. You know, do we do synchronous? Do we do asynchronous teaching? Meaning, do we do it as we're teaching in the classroom or do we do it that we prepare a lesson and put that out for the students to do and then the students can contact us? There's a lot of teacher contact during that time. So we're thankful for all the uh, input they put in and, and then the monitors and the bus drivers and the cafeteria workers for getting food out to uh, people. Uh, that was a phenomenal task and it worked very well. And now we're just waiting 
to get the the uh, funding so that people will get because we are on total free lunch and breakfast, no matter what your income level. Um, we are able to get benefit cards for everybody with children in our school. And my understanding is those should be coming in January. Um, so people have, um, you know, a little boost to be able to go out and food costs are present, so this will help them. And if they feel they don't need it, the food shelves always need something. So there's there's ways of using it. So anybody who says, well, I don't need that, why are they going to give it to me? Well, find somebody in the community that needs it because there's always somebody in the community that needs yep, it. Kind of pay it forward type mentality there. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and it's, it's nice. And I think, you know, we're all excited about what the future holds. And I, uh, I do believe that it's going to be a process as we transition back off the initial shock of, you know, COVID-19. Uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're getting there. Uh, we will yep. continue to make gains, I think, year by year uh, as we as we move into that new normal uh, and as we as we know it. Uh, yeah. So, no. And uh, yeah. So I just like to, uh, you know, say thank you one more time, uh, you know, for the information that you were able to provide and joining us. And we look forward to doing this monthly. Uh, so just so everyone yeah. is aware, we're going to target this board update in the We Are Peru podcast after each board meeting um, and look to have you know, a finalized version out, you know, by the end of the month. So, um, Oh, good. Thank you. We do. Thank you. We do. Thank you for joining us, Bonnie and, and taking the time. Absolutely. Thank you. I said, like you said, it's a new normal. I've been in education for over 50 years and it's, this is certainly something that I never thought we'd see in my lifetime. Nope. Um, but we're moving on and we people are moving on and they, you know, it takes a community to do it. And it is, but that's what the old saying that takes a village to raise a child. Yeah, and absolutely. It, it, did. Yep, <laughs> yeah. it definitely well, does. Thank you. Thank you both. And whatever people say, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, <laughs> Hanukkah, whatever there else there may be, people. So okay. hopefully people have a safe holiday. Thank yes, you. Thank you. Too, thank you. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Thank you, Mrs. Barry. That was uh, definitely very helpful and insightful information um, on your board update. Okay, um, I think our next segment that we're going to get right into will be our superintendent spotlight. Hello, Peru families. This is Scott Storms, the interim superintendent at Peru Central School. I hope everyone is having a great day. Um, our, our students um, are looking forward to a well-deserved holiday break. It's been a difficult four months with quarantines and contact tracing, and we'd like to say thank you to our families for their understanding and patience during some students' repeated quarantines. Um, it's, it's very hard to um, come to school and then have to go back out of school um, due to close contacts to someone who um, has the COVID-19 um, virus. One of the things that um, we definitely have learned through this process is the more of our students that become vaccinated, um, the fewer quarantines, the fewer students that are in our quarantines. So we still may have students that have breakthrough cases, but the if a student is um, vaccinated and they don't have symptoms and they don't have to quarantine. And so that definitely makes things a bit smoother. Um, so as a school district, we definitely take it, take, um, it very seriously. And we're always looking at ways in which we can, um, provide information to our families. So, um, 
There are, there are a variety of clinics out there right now that students and families can participate in to get the vaccine. So um, our district will be providing a, or hosting a clinic in, on January 19th for the first vaccine and February 9th for the second vaccine for the, that group of five to 11 year old students. Um, and we hope that we have good participation in there. So after our holiday break in early January, families will be able to um, register. We'll be sending out more information on that for everyone. Um, <clears throat> we also, you know, with all the news lately of the variants and the, co the COVID variants that are changing right now across the area um, with an increased number of, of cases, um, we definitely are just trying to make sure our families are prepared um, for the that unfortunate the the unfortunate truth that we might have to close in the future uh, if we were if we were required to close our school or go for a pause. We just want to make sure our students are prepared for that. Um, we're hoping that doesn't happen. Our goal is always to keep our students in school and to keep our school running as normal. But in that in that particular case that we would have to close our school, it's important for families to 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 also be aware of that and prepared. So this week before vacation, um, December 21st and 22nd, our teachers are going to be talking to the kids about uh, making sure they have their computers at home during the holiday break and make sure that they've taken their textbooks home over the holiday break, just in case we do have to um, put the school on a pause. It's really important that uh, our kids are prepared. And um, obviously at this point, that's not our goal. Like I said, we're trying to keep our school in session. So we certainly wouldn't be, if we did have to pause, we certainly wouldn't do it for a long period of time. We understand the inconvenience it is to families. So our goal is always to have our students here. Um, we definitely have some um, things that are going to be happening here in the future. Um, we're hoping to have a successful um, sports season for the for winter sports as we did for fall sports. We did have a few interruptions in our fall sports season, but um, they were very limited um, in number. Um, we hope that our winter season is as successful and with very few quarantines as well. Uh, in the month of February, we're going to be having a, um, we're going to be working with our Peru after school um, career exploration camps, which will be happening at, happening in the starting in the middle school. We look forward to getting more information out to our families about that. So if you're a middle school family, be sure you're looking out for the Peru after school career exploration um, group. They'll be putting out some information for our our kids. I think that's going to be exciting. Um, it's been it's been a, a little bit of a struggle here at the end of mid and end of December with um, some of the social media posts that were out there. And, you know, as a school, it's so important for us to always try to um, provide our students with opportunities to learn from that. Um, so in the month of um, January, we're going to be having a pre presenter come in and share some information with our middle school and high school students. Um, 
on social media and um, how to use social media appropriately. Um, we're looking forward to that presentation. Um, we are really happy with the way this year is in regards to being able to be in school as much of, as much as we have been. Um, I know that there's been some quarantines, but um, one of the nice things about seeing our school this year is the students, it's, it's more like a regular school year. Yes, everyone's masked, but um, everyone's still being able to participate in most of the things that they were able to in the past. So we hope to continue that as we move forward. Um, and so I hope you all have a great holiday or you're, if you're listening to this now and you're just getting this information, you're on holiday break and you're enjoying your time. <clears throat> and um, we look forward to seeing everybody back into back to school on January 3rd and um, hope that everyone stays well and healthy. As always, great information shared by our interim superintendent. Uh, just looking to keep the community informed on you know, what's been going on across campus. At this time, uh, we're going to bring in uh, Diana Bartholomew, the uh, athletic coordinator for the district, to provide an update on fall sports. Hi, this is Diana Bartholomew, the athletic director here at Peru Central School, and I want to take this opportunity to share a little bit about what our athletic teams did this fall and a little preview of what our athletic teams are doing this winter. First, I want to say that we had an outstanding fall season and we are in full swing in our winter season now. We had a lot of programs who got to compete and um, won titles this year, so it was a very exciting year for us. We had all of our sports teams play this year at all of our levels, the modified JV and varsity levels. We did have a couple teams that had to deal with some COVID issues, but overall did not hinder their season in any way. And we got to make up the games that we did miss um, so they could have a complete season, which is very exciting for us. This is the first time that's happened since the pandemic has begun. I'm gonna take a few minutes and go through each of our varsity teams and give you a little preview of how they fared throughout our season. First, our boys soccer team had a very competitive season. Um, their dynamic of their team was a little different than what it normally is. We merged with Seton Catholic, so we had four um, young men from Seton Catholic come and play on our boys varsity team, and it was a great experience for all. These boys worked very, very hard and shown a lot of growth this year. Next, our girls varsity soccer team had a seven and seven record and was very competitive. Their section, um, their teams that they competed against in the section this year was very, very competitive. We will be graduating 10 seniors off this team. So we were having a lot of openings for next year and look to continue to rebuild the program. I'd like to take an opportunity to congratulate Hannah Myers, who was selected fourth team all state. That is a great accomplishment by Hannah and we would like to congratulate her on that. Next is our varsity swim team. This year, our varsity swim team was comprised a little different um, than it has in the past. This year, we merged with All Sable, so we sent um, some very fantastic swimmers and a coach down to swim with All Sable this year. And we sent three swimmers to the state meet um, this year, which was Ashley Brusso, Ella Garrow, and Alexis Hathaway, um, which 
they have um, beat the record, the Ausable swim record in their four by one. And Ella has broken personal records down at Ausable also. On to our girls cross country team. Um, we have a new coach this year, Miss Anna Stent. She is uh, also one of our high school teachers. She brought a fresh light to our girls team and we are happy to have her. These girls continue to work hard and we're improving every day and broke a lot of personal best this year. We also had a state qualifier on that team, Ophelia Lanko. Congratulations to her on her state run. On to our boys cross country team. They had an outstanding season. They were 20 and one CVAC champions. They were the Ray Holmes Sportsmanship Award recipients and our coach was coach of the year, Mr. Finlaw. So we're gonna congratulate them. Our two state qualifiers were Nick Recor and Zach Morgan. So we would like to congratulate them on their state bid for cross country. Our gymnastics squad. Again, these ladies have been dominating the CVAC and section title for the last seven years. And they again won it again this year. We have four athletes in March that will be participating in the state meet. That is Kennedy Beyer and Maddie Wickowitz in the all around. Lauren Prescott on bars, Lily Swires on beam, and our alternate will be Kendra Lawless. Congratulations, ladies, and way to keep dominating the section. We are super proud of you with that. We're now on to our volleyball team. Our volleyball team had another successful season. Um, they got to have a complete season this year. Last year, COVID only allowed them to play an eight-game season in the spring, um, which is about half of their normal schedule. So we were excited that they were able to play their complete schedule. They were CVAC champions, Section 7 champions, regional finalists, and one of our players, Rachel Mador, was selected fifth team All-State, along with several other of our ladies who were um, selected to the All-Star, the Section 7 All-Star team. On to our football cheer. Our football cheer has, um, that whole program is being reconfigured. We now have a new coach, Miss Hart, who is leading our program and changing the culture into a different direction. She had a great squad of ladies this year and they are paving the way to improve our Peru pride, not only out on the game fields, but in our hallways also. Um, our ladies, Nighthawks also were supporting some amazing new um, uniforms to help enhance their support for our athletes. Now on to our football team. Our football team had an extremely successful season. They had a seven and three record overall and they were the section seven champions. They lost a heartbreaker in their regional final game, um, but they did amazing. This was our team that was hit hardest by COVID. Um, two weeks into the season, our football team had to go into a two week shutdown and completely stopped playing for two entire weeks. And now, then after that, sorry, they had to um, basically restart their whole season and start over. From that point on, those boys embraced their two weeks, realized the hard work they had to put in and started to move forward. And they had an amazing season from that point. I can imagine having to start your season, then stop two weeks into it for two weeks and then start again. So we had many, many teams, many, many players on our team who were on the all-star teams. So congratulations to all of them. 
I want to take a second to recognize our varsity teams who are scholar athletes. These are teams that have a GPA of 90 or above. So that means everyone on the team has to have a 90 or above to achieve this, to achieve this honor. And our girls cross country, our boys cross country, our volleyball, girls soccer, and girls swim all were able to earn the award of scholar athletes. Now I'm just going to take a quick second and give you a preview of what we are working on this winter. We are in full swing. Again, our first winter um, since COVID has started that we were able to be participating in all of our sports. So we have boys basketball, all three levels, modified JV and varsity, girls basketball at all three levels, our wrestling program at all three levels, our indoor track this year. Um, we have some all stable athletes that have merged with us on our varsity squad will be competing with us. And we've also started a modified practice team to try to enhance and our, further our program in the future. So our seventh and eighth graders have the opportunity to come to practice and learn all of the skills of track and all of the events and hopefully continue to draw interest into that program. We have our competitive cheer program. Our girls hockey players are merged in playing with PHS this winter. Our boys hockey players are merged in playing with the Saranac. We have the both boys and girls varsity bowling team. And we are going to be starting up our fifth and sixth grade basketball program and our Pee Wee wrestling program in January. So that is how our fall teams fared this fall. We were very successful. And I'm very proud of all of our athletes and teams that um, participated this fall. It was a great, it was a great season and it was great to see all of our athletes and parents and spectators back out and be able to watch our athletes perform. And we are hopeful that our winter season will continue to uh, move forward and see great success as we enter the first, the new year. So thank you for your time and listening. And I look forward to sharing how our winter seasons went. Thank you. Okay. And now we're going to move right into our building showcase. All right, so we are moving into our building uh, showcase segment, and we would like to welcome Sarah Schultz to the show. Uh, she is our building principal here in the Peru uh, Primary Building. So welcome to the so, uh, show, Sarah. Thank you so much. And Sarah is new uh, to the district. She recently joined uh, right near the end of the summer uh, to start this school year. So, uh, Sarah, why don't you just take a minute to kind of share a little bit of background you know, maybe where you're from, what your experience up to this point in education has been, and then we'll kind of get it rolling from there. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, well, I'm um, a native of Gloversville, New York, which is down near Albany. I have spent the majority of my teaching career in the North Country, Potsdam, Canton, Parrishville, Chateaugay. I've taught music, K-12 music teacher, band, chorus, and uh, theater mostly. So it's, uh, it, it's great to return to the North Country because this is what I know. We moved here. Uh, just a couple months ago from downstate New York near Port Jervis on the tri-state border. And um, it's been exciting to get back in the Adirondacks where my family loves to be. Yeah. Port Jervis. I just watched them play in a high school football game for the New York State playoffs. Did they win? Uh, this past fall. No, they lost to Pleasantville. But oh, okay. it was a very good game. <laughs> but you said Port Jervis, and there's the memory. It's funny. People know that area just based on the fact that it literally is 
right on the tri-state. So, yeah. you know, I would grocery shop in Pennsylvania and get my gas in New Jersey and go home in New York. So, Now, do they have a special name for it? Do they call it the tri-state area? Or, you know what I mean? They do call it the tri-state corner. The reason I ask, I grew up in Arkansas. Okay. But my hometown in Arkansas was... I was five miles from the Louisiana state line, 12 miles from Mississippi. So we called that area the Arklamis. Ooh. And we actually had, <laughs> you think I'm joking, I'm not joking. <laughs> and we actually had kids from three states in my school district. Kind of was weird. One district. One district. Yeah, neat. Yeah, yeah. I only laughed because I'd never heard that before. So. Yeah. See, it's not like here, you know, like, you know, there's three states, one district, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have that cool a name, but yeah, I just we just called it the tri. It literally was the. I mean, I've been used to growing up in the tri-state region, but that mm-hmm. literally is like the little corner that everything is right in that little Everything's that right little there. nook. Yep, absolutely. There you go. Excellent. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, this is your first building principal position. Correct. Yes. Uh, so when when you think about you know, really what influence you want to have on the school community and your building, like what are some things that come to mind? I think my biggest push for going into this at this point has been the impact that COVID has had on our learners. Um, Our littlest learners being some of the most impacted because of their reading and learning to read uh, at this point. And um, noticing the gaps that we already had in education across the state versus now what we're looking at with the lack of time spent in the classroom was really my impetus for getting involved and starting my admin journey. So my goal for these students, on top of having fun because they're babies and they need to be having fun in the classroom, play-based learning is um, a fantastic way to approach education at this age. But we're also really focusing on the phonemic awareness piece and making sure that they understand how to read and the beginning phases of reading. And that is probably my biggest push for us at this point in time. It's, um I hope you don't mind me saying, but I think you've done an excellent job with trying to keep a lot of the fun things going down there. They had a they had a festive fall Friday and the whole pumpkin picking thing and stuff like that. And it's, it's neat to see kids still being able to partake in things like that, even with the constraints and stuff that we have now. Thank you. I'm a big kid myself. And uh, you don't uh, spend most of your life as a music teacher and theater person without bringing that into the building that you're working with. So we keep it light. We keep it fun. Um, definitely trying to raise everybody's morale because COVID has really impacted all of us in many ways, adults and students alike. So keeping it fun, keeping that positivity going, being the biggest cheerleader I can be for the, st- you know, for the staff and the students has been my goal. Yeah, and it's nice to see everybody just get back to enjoying, you know, just em- enjoying their education, right? We look back when we were kids, we remember specific, you know, events. You know, I don't necessarily remember the first time I received a lesson in the correct use of past tense, right? (laughs) Like, so there's there's certain things that stick out in your mind, whether it was, you know, a concert or just like a little classroom gathering where you played some games and that type of stuff. Like, that stuff sticks out, and that's where you really build the connection with the kids and you get them to feel safe, comfortable coming back within the building uh, and really looking forward to their day. Uh, And it's great to see them. Uh, finally getting back to a little bit of that, you know, as we look to move forward. Uh, so thank you for taking the time. I know you're extremely busy. Um, I look forward to working with you in the future as we try to impact change across our campus. Thank you. And I think you're just a fantastic uh, addition to our leadership team. So thank you. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for being part of our, our first building showcase segment. Thank you. Okay. And our next guest for our building showcase piece will be our technology teacher in the elementary building, Ms. Stephanie Petra. How's it going, Steph? Hey, it's great. It's great to be here. 
Yeah, thanks for joining us there. Now, I know that recently um, you had a, a, a very exciting project that's kind of near and dear to, to my own heart um, involving Minecraft in the intermediate building. What can you tell us about that? That's right. Um, I love this project. This is uh, called the Minecraft Holiday Town, and it is a, a collaborative project that you and I, John, work together, our famous collaborative projects. And um, for this project, we used Minecraft with the goal of challenging students um, to create this creative structure which embodied a winter theme or a holiday theme. And what's really fun about this project is that it challenged students with some limitations for working in uh, Minecraft education, which they're not used to, especially when they're using Minecraft at home. Uh, we gave them some parameters to work with. Uh, one of them was the time. So they had to create in 35 minutes a structure for a holiday or winter theme. And what was really fun is we we limited their resources, gave them some restrictions, like they could only use it, uh, make it 20 blocks high. And uh, what mode did we have them work in? They were working in adventure mode. And I think one of the great things there is this really helped them have to work on their problem solving, right? It does. You know, so for some of the kids... Um, it enabled them to work outside of the box. They're used to having unlimited resources and getting all the things they need. What's really fun about this and what's so unique about this project is uh, John creates has created this fantastic Minecraft education world, which we've been able to use over the past couple of years. And the world John created, it's a world within worlds. It has a town, it has a neighborhood. Um, you replicated our school, our elementary school. There's a theme park, Jamestown. It goes on and on, and we can use it for so many different projects. And I feel very honored to be able to work with you on that project. So thanks for letting me into your Minecraft world. Well, thanks for willing, being willing to you know, let us roll this out with, with all your classes. I think one of the things we're most excited about, in a way, is that previously with Minecraft, we had kind of a... I guess an unofficial Minecraft club where we'd have you know so many students from each class or whatever per grade level um, participate. But um, Steph and I really wanted, we've been talking like the last year or so, to make sure that as much as possible, every student got to experience the power of Minecraft Education Edition. And uh, this was a, this was a, you know, it was a big undertaking, but you know, I know the students got a lot out of it. You know, and I think we're looking to kind of maybe turnkey that for other kind of things and stuff going forward. Yeah, and I think the, sorry to interrupt there, but okay. I, I think the power of it is you're capitalizing on something that's high interest for kids, right? And it goes yeah. beyond just playing a game. Right. And, you know, I think when you are, when when you're at home and you're playing and you're just kind of like participating in, you're not really taking a deeper dive into like an interaction. Like you're just kind of nonchalantly moving through it's like watching right. a video you're not really engaged you're just kind of participating but i think when you bring the gaming piece into the classroom through minecraft you've got high interest topic right away once you mention minecraft every kid can you know they can connect to it right mm -hmm. whether they play or they've seen video clips on it and then you you build you know questions in or you create an atmosphere where they're going to be challenged and they got to work through problem solving skills and they have to collaborate uh within a digital space, mm -hmm. and, and and they learn the skills associated with that. There's a lot of soft skills that go into that, 
Mm-hmm. Hey, if somebody else is building a structure, I'm going to respect their space. Right. I'm not going to go in and, and steal a chest of, of materials that they just you know worked hard to create. And there's a lot of soft skills in there and a lot of, of interaction within digital space that kids, you know, these learners need to be comfortable in and they need to understand how to navigate. Uh, and this allows them to do that. Yeah. You know, that is a great point, those soft skills. And we, we really had to, you know, enforce them, encourage them to use those soft skills. They you could really see, especially with the kids that are very fluid with um, Minecraft education, they were off and running. They knew what to do. Um, and then there were the kids that still were if they weren't really familiar with minecraft they were still able to participate they were learning learning and we gave some little mini lessons along the way i we i don't know how we got that in in our you know 40 minutes but little mini lessons on how to use the camera and how to document the work that they were doing how to put it in a journal and sort of be able to um, explain what it was that they were creating which is so important for the kids to be able to explain that so you saw their creativity their problem solving time management that's a that's a tough one, you know. They had to create what they could in the time that they were given, and we limited some of their resources. They're used to getting any resource they wanted. John created this fantastic um, little building, and it's like a Lowe's department store in in his world. And the kids got to go in and go shopping for materials. So it it was fantastic that they were able to do that. So they had to make some choices, um, and uh, you know that we had a rubric too. Yes, that kept them on task. Yeah. Three-point rubric. Here's the things that are expected. Here's what you'll get if these things are missing. And um, I think that really kept them on task, too. I think one thing I'd like to – two things I'd like to throw out real quick is um, we, we ran that through, like, the six-day intermediate cycle or whatever, and I, I'm pretty sure we want to try to do something similar in primary in the near future, mm-hmm. probably at least with second grade or so, yeah. you know, or if not – everyone um but then also uh, kind of a, a plug for the program in a way is that you know if you have any unique projects that you're working on in your classroom and you'd like uh, steph and i to see how we could translate that in to try to reinforce that through minecraft uh, please don't hesitate to reach out to either one of us yeah it's another tool that's available to enhance and uh you know what's going on in the classroom absolutely uh, you know and it, it's fantastic and i appreciate you know both of you kind of taking and running running with it and and Steph, the amount of effort that you've put into kind of build our our technology team here in the elementary and providing students with a variety of opportunities that go far beyond just Minecraft. Absolutely. Uh, from digital citizenship education to coding and robotics. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff that you're doing, and I'm just excited to see what the future holds. Thank you. I enjoy it so much. It's been such a great experience teaching technology, and I'm really looking forward to our next project. Hey, well, thank you so much again for, for joining us today. All right, thanks for having me. It really is great to hear all the wonderful things that are happening uh, across campus. Uh, it's great to provide you know, the community an opportunity to meet new faculty and staff and welcome you know, welcome Sarah to the district. Uh, I think she's got a great vision and direction as she wants to go uh, and a key piece to the puzzle as we're moving forward. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of moving forward, uh, I'd like to take a moment to kind of look at you know, a possible event that we have coming up in January. Uh, so we've been in conversation with uh, Mr. Storms about, you know, really how can we uh, educate our students and families on the impacts of social media, the effects of social media, the, the proper uses of social media, and, and really how technology just kind of affects our lives. 
so we are looking to partner with uh, Dynamic Influence, uh, which is a group that uh, they put on presentations across uh, across the country. Uh, Robert Hackinson Jr. Uh, is one of the, the guest speakers, and he does a really great job of presenting a lot of key topics uh, with technology use and social media safety. And we are looking to bring him in uh, near the end of January, the last week of January, hopefully targeting January 24th to 26th range, where students will uh, participate in assemblies uh, that are designed to uh, really hit on some hot topic items like online predators, uh, posting too much information, technology addiction and anxiety, cyberbullying and hateful posting, sexting, uh, and other types of challenges that are faced online. Uh, and we are going to be uh, working with students in grades 6 through 12 to highlight uh, a lot of these key issues that are uh, facing our students and families today. It sounds like a wonderful thing to bring to our community. Yes, I think it can definitely be a powerful experience for uh, everyone involved. Absolutely. Uh, one other thing that I forgot to mention at the open of the show uh, was we also recently completed um, a special Veterans Day project. Um, we did release it, um, you know, as a podcast, as a video-based podcast, and we actually had uh, two veterans from um, our, our local American Legion uh, come in and, and get interviewed um, by a lot of our secondary school students, and they fielded questions from students uh, from primary uh, through uh, uh, through high school. Um, I believe that we're going to put a link to that uh, video in the show notes of the show, so I encourage you to check it out. Yeah, definitely an excellent experience for all those involved. Uh, so thank you for taking the time to uh, listen to the episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the content that we were able to provide. And remember that if you, need to, if you want to hop around, uh, you're going to see the descriptions of times uh, for each segment. Uh, in the notes. Uh, so feel free to pick and choose your area of interest. You've been listening to the We Are Peru podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and share us with your colleagues and friends. And consider leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at NDamianiPCSD and JMitchellPCSD. Thanks again for listening, and remember, we are Peru.